Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil Lake and this is Nashville. Listeners of a certain age may remember the legendary Saturday Night Live skit, Wayne's World. The premise, two affable slackers hosted a public access television show from a basement. What is public access, you ask? It's non-commercial mass media where ordinary people can create their own TV shows. Our local public access network, NECAT, has been training and assisting Nashvilleians in the art of television production for 13 years. In that time, they've broadcasted some pretty interesting programs. Later this hour, we'll talk with a few of the folks who produce their own shows and some of the staff at NECAT about how you can get your own show. But first, Nashville's based Yellow Freight is one of the nation's largest trucking companies. Or it was. The company shut down operations this week and is expected to declare bankruptcy soon. That's left 30,000 people without a job. Here to talk about that and what that means for Nashville's truckers is WPLN's Mariana Bacayao. Mariana, good to see you again. Good to see you. Okay, so how did we get here? Well, Yellow has had money problems for a while now. It had net profits in the millions, but loans in the billions. And that money was going to be due soon in the fall of next year. Yellow Corp came up with a restructuring plan, but that was blocked by the Teamsters Union. Yellow sued Teamsters over it in June, which the union said was a blatant attempt to undermine the rights of workers. At this point, Yellow was behind on payments for its workers' health benefits and pensions. The company was supposed to pay up on July 15th, and when they didn't, the Teamsters Union threatened to strike. That was the Monday of last week. But the night before the planned strike, the company convinced Teamsters to rejoin negotiations. The company's union agreed to a new contract, in part because Yellow was offering an $11 an hour raise over the course of three to five years. So drivers went back to work for all of a week before mm. getting a legal notice that the company was shutting down. That's according to the Teamsters Union. Yellow Freight has not made any official announcements and has not responded to WPLN's requests for comment. Wow. Okay, so where does this leave workers? In an interesting position. Mm. On one hand, there is a driver shortage. I've spoken to recruiters from other local trucking companies who are more than happy to snatch up yellow drivers. And some of those drivers were able to start new jobs the day after the announcement. But on the other hand, that job security won't necessarily come with the bargaining power that some of these drivers are used to. Yellow was one of a few union shops, and another union job will be hard to find. Tennessee is a right-to-work state, which makes it harder for unions to get members and financial support. All right, so break this down for us. How did Yellow fail? The company had been losing money and accruing debt over the past few years. It received a federal pandemic loan to the tune of $700 million, which had been granted in error as it later turned out that Yellow didn't fit the requirements for the loan. The Congressional Oversight Commission says that Yellow was struggling financially before the pandemic with a bad investment rating and previous close calls with bankruptcy over the years. But the news of the potential Teamsters strike, along with Yellow admitting that it had a cash problem, exacerbated that. A lot of its customers switched to other freight carriers in response. And 
I'm told once you lose a client, it can be really hard to get them back. So even though the strike had been averted, the damage had already been done. I mean, one of the nation's largest trunking companies going out of business has to have a lot of people talking. What has been the reaction of the rest of the trucking world? I've heard from people in the trucking industry outside Yellow who blame the union for the company's demise and former Yellow drivers who say the company was mismanaged, you know, pickups and drop-offs weren't well organized. I spoke with Tracy Cullen. He drove with Yellow for nearly 40 years. We took pay cuts for several years to keep them in business. If it it hadn't been for us giving back, this company would have went out of business a long time ago. The Teamsters Union says it's helping drivers like Cullen find other union jobs in freight and other related industries, but it's looking tough. That's WPLN's Mariana Bacayao. You can find the link to her reporting on this episode's post at thisisnashville.org. Thanks for being here, and as always, thank you for your reporting. Of course. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to sit down with the folks at NECAT who help ordinary people make their television dreams come true. Are you a fan of public access TV? What's your favorite show? I know mine. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be back. Back. Kaliole Colonna, and this is Nashville. In 2014, when I was living in Albuquerque, three friends and I decided we wanted to try our hands at making television. Where did we go? The local public access network. Our show, we called it The Prognosticators. We covered the National Football League, but with goofball humor. Think the NFL meets SNL. The experience was a lot of fun and a lot of hard work. Here in Nashville, the public access network that teaches and trains ordinary people to be producers of their own show is called NECAT. That's short for Nashville Education Community and Arts Television. How does it work? How can you make your own show? My next guest has the answers. Cameron McCasland is the head studio director at NECAT, and he joins me now. Cameron, thanks for being here. Welcome to This Is Nashville. Hey, Khalil. Thanks for having me. Okay, so, you know, tell us, what is, what's it like at NECAT? What can folks expect when they walk into the studio? I think the thing that they can find, first off, is just a welcoming environment. Um, you know, National Public Library is the one who kind of administers NECAT at this point. And the whole idea behind it is a place for free speech, a place for local voices, a place for people to come in and really just say their piece about the world in a way that you can't get from any other TV station in this town. It's a place where local people are talking about local subjects and doing things that have to do with Nashville. So you may see something on TV that you drive by every day or you may see, see a person that you you know run into in the grocery store every day. And I think that's a real special place to land. Um for people that want to make TV in Nashville. That sounds really cool. What's what's the setup like? Is it total pro over there? Absolutely pro. Say we have state-of-the-art facility, you know, multi-cam shoots. Uh, you can come in and get trained on the newest equipment. There's upgrades every year to that, but we use like the TriCaster system, you know, uh, high-tech Panasonic cameras, things like that in the space. But whenever you come in and take our classes, you're going to come in and get a basic overview of every piece of equipment in that studio in a one-day class. You're going to touch bases on behind the camera and in front of the camera and kind of see what it is like to work inside of that TV studio. Uh, once you've done that, say you could come back again and like start planning for your own TV show. And like we kind of help you walk through the paces of like this is how you plan for it. This is what you need to do to do it. And then once you've 
actually made it, we give you space on one of the three TV stations that we operate to actually show it to the rest of the public. What are those three TV stations? Yeah, so we operate on Comcast Cable on channels 9, 10, and 19. That's the uh, arts channel, the IQTV, which is the education channel, channel 10, and 19, which is the public access, which anyone that uh, comes and takes those classes, they usually start out on channel 19, and then we may move that to channels 9 or 10. Uh, 9 and 10, say, with the arts and education, there's a lot of content from National Public Library that we run in those spaces where, again, like, because the library's, you know, whole thought process, like, it's on education, it's on free speech, they make a lot of stuff over there that we're able to, you know, put to the public for people that may never walk into a library branch, mm -hmm. they're able to see it out front for the first time. I'm, I'm interested in like some of the things people shoot and tape over there. What 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 is the range of shows that NECAT produces and airs? Yeah, so when it comes to the members, it, it takes all kinds. You know, we have, there's political shows, there's religious shows, there's zany comedy shows, uh, there's people that do stand-up comedy specials, um, all manner of, I mean, anything that you can create, we have made in that space that we've been there at, on the, basically on the campus at Nashville State for a little over 20 years. Uh, it's been an amazing run of people that have come through and made that that different type of thing. But we've been around since 1978 in Nashville, so you can imagine, like, any type of music, you know, mm -hmm. all these people that have made broken to these big stars, they've gone through public access sometimes as their first, you know, their first TV appearance, basically, in Nashville was in that space over there. And looking towards the future, it's like we know we're going for a new space, um, and we're kind of excited to see where and who is going to be coming with us on that. Hey, this is a good sign. I think this is the earliest we've gotten a tweet from somebody on This Is Nashville. We have a tweet from Brett King, who says, quote, why doesn't NECAT transmit over the air via antenna TV? I've cut the cord and discovered that I have 90-plus antenna channels. So part of that is just the way that we're set up through uh, the deal that was made with Comcast Cable back in the 70s uh, to broadcast onto to cable. But there is a way for people that have cut the cord to watch it. We do have our NECAT Roku channel that you can download. You can watch any of those three channels at any given time. You can also stream online free uh, at NECATnetwork.org. There's a 24-hour feed that runs all the time for all three channels that you can tune in from your laptop, phone, whatever it may be. Okay, so you know, you mentioned something like you can stream it online on your phone. These days, a lot of us, we have those powerful video production tools yeah. in our pockets, be meaning our phones. What separates NECAT and public access from other media outlets, kind of like YouTube, where you mean you could kind of say what you want there, right? Sure. So the, the thing about you know, something that's going to air at NECAT is you're going to own your copyright. You're going to be in charge of kind of where it lands after the fact once you make it. But you're going to get that state-of-the-art equipment that you're not going to get from just your cell phone. We're going to teach you about framing and all the different like production tools that are going to make you better, even if you are shooting on your phone. But from there, it's like if you think about like in the past, all the different social media sites that have existed, we all had a MySpace page at one page oh, you yes. know, at one point in time. Yeah. Now, most of us don't. And all those pictures that went with that, all the video that was there, it's probably all gone. The thing about uploading to YouTube, which is a great format, it won't be here forever. It's right now it is, you know, it's it's huge. No, no one is bigger on video on the Internet. But whenever you upload that, you have certain rules you have to abide by. And at any point, they can pull you or... Their algorithm could say, oh, we're not going to show this to anybody else. And NECAT, you kind of know, like, hey, this is going to air at this time, and it's up to you to promote, you know, the people that are watching it. But you're going to have equal time with everybody else, and not only, like, other people that are on our channels, but you're up against all the other shows that are on cable TV mm -hmm. at any, any given time. So it really is a matter of, like, making something that people want to see. And, again, like, you can kind of market directly to your audience. So talk to me about the process. How can someone sign up and learn how to make their own TV show? 
Yeah, so the 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 start of that is always on the website kneecapnetwork.org. You go there and you sign up for production one class, which basically happens at least uh, the first Saturday of every month. We have a one day class starts at ten a.m. It's usually over around six o'clock or so, where you walk through that. If you get through that class, you still like it. You can take production two, which is a two night class that I teach. Uh, it's usually a Thursday and a Friday night that happens every other month. Once you take that, you could start producing show and making show. But we also offer classes on like green screen and lighting, on audio production. Um, just, you know, in all kinds of workshops throughout the year that you can, you can take as, as much or as little, but those two classes are the first part that you have to do. So you're really looking at one full day and then two evenings. Once you've completed those, it's just a matter of like coming up with your show, walking us through the process. You, you basically come in and you pitch it. Uh, not for, you know, it's not that we approve it. Cause again, as long as you follow the rules that are taught in those class, like mm-hmm. that basic outline of like, this is what you can and can't do on television. You know, you're allowed to make whatever it is that you want. And we want all comers for that. And, and I tell people all the time, it's like, um, you know, it's like if you if you have a show and it comes on and then I get a call from someone in the audience and they say, oh, I don't like what they're saying on this TV show. I'll invite them down and say, hey, come take a class and we'll put you on your own TV show as a okay. counterpoint to that. OK. And that's, you know, it, there's a very democratic way to do this. And like you're not beholden to a commercial sponsor. You're not beholden to whether your show is considered um, technically good or not. It's just a matter of like, hey, go through these classes abide by the rules that are outlined here, and then you can make whatever it is that you want. Okay, I have two questions for you before we get to our next guest. Very important. Is it free? It, so the the only thing that we charge right now, there's, there's a $100 annual membership, and we, we put that in place to make sure that people, when they sign up, they do show up for those classes. But there's no additional cost after that. You uh-huh. know, it's like that just that that covers the classes that you're going to take. It covers any of the studio booking time. Um, the only other thing that say might come out is if you check out a camera, we have like a $25 rental fee where you keep a camera kit for a week. So you can take things and shoot locations. Absolutely. Shoots too. Yeah, you can absolutely do that. Wow. And that just keeps it to make sure that everything comes back to the studio, which we never really had a problem with that before. Uh, but we want to make sure that we know who people are, you know, where they're at and that stuff is coming back and coming back in the same condition that we sent it out in. Okay, I'm gonna ask you this other question in a minute, but I want to get to my next guest. She is someone who is trained by NECAT and hosts their own show. Kina Bam Ely is the assistant studio director at NECAT and a producer slash host of Cultureville. Bam, thank you for being with us today. Welcome thank to the show. Thank you very much. I'm over here nodding to everything Cat was saying. <laughs> so, I mean, tell me, how did you find NECAT? How did you get involved? Um, well, a friend of mine told me about the classes and at the time, um, I'm a single parent. I had a kid, and it was just like, okay, can I really commit to this? But then once my son um, became an adult, he moved out. So now I'm an empty nester. I have time after work. And I took the first class, which is the technical one class, and I was just blown away. Like, it was teaching me everything that I didn't know without, like, going to a four-year college or a degree. You learn framing. You learn how to do lighting. You learn how to work all the equipment. And I just fell in love with the environment, the vibe. And then so I came back and I did the producer class. And now I'm starting to think like a producer and thinking about my show. But I didn't create a show off the bat. I did about... Six months of just working on other people's shows because um, once you go through the class, you can volunteer to be a camera operator or technical director or sound engineer for other shows. And I did that just to learn and kind of see, you know, how people were doing their sets, what kind of guests they had. Mm -hmm. And then um, I came up with the idea of Cultureville because 
I am part of the Nashville hip hop community. I'm an artist. And I thought this is be a great platform for me to give people I know a space to be seen, you know, a, a space where they can promote, they can show your families. And Cam's being modest. I mean, we, we run in multiple counties in Tennessee. So I have people who come from Jackson who want to be on the show oh, and nice. they can air it with their family and friends. It promotes them. It gives them visual content you know, and the equipment there is top notch. It's like being in a major production. So I just, I was like, this is my home. This is my place to be because I get to be creative and I get to use every skill I have, you know, because you have to market yourself. You know, you have to create your own internet content. I do upload my shows on YouTube after they air. So, you know, there's a second place, but I always point them back to NECAT because mm-hmm. that's important. But for people who don't who who have uh, cable, Roku is a great outlet. They can just pull up and watch it. I can, you know, my family and friends in DC can watch it. Yeah. And see what I'm what I'm becoming. And it's been three years now, and I just feel like I'm evolving and evolving. Well, talk to me about Cultureville. I tune in. What can I expect on a on a typical episode? So we are a, a show that's weekly on NECAT that showcases urban culture in, in Middle Tennessee. And what that means is that we have hip-hop artists. I had a show with DJs. We did a show about house music. Um, I had entrepreneurs on there. Um, uh, these, they're twins. They started their own makeup brand in, here in Nashville. So it it's it's a variety of things, but... We focus on that one guest. Normally, we do a 20-minute Q&A, and if they're an artist, they get to perform for 10 minutes or afterwards. But it's really meant to sort of show Nashville is more than country music and that our urban community here is thriving. It's We have people working. Now, yeah. I understand you did something pretty unusual that we don't see on television often at all. You pulled off. A musical on Cultureville. <laughs> Almost, <laughs> Almost, I would say. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, a friend of uh, uh, one of my partner, his name is Aldi. He's also a hip hop artist here. We were tasked to create a, uh, I, I say musical, but yes, a hip hopera where. Oh, nice. I like that. <laughs> we were getting the concept where um, our sponsor came to us and she said that she wanted to make a visual performance of the Nashville sit-ins from 1964. And she wanted us to focus on Fisk, Meharry, and TSU students. So what we did was we did a bunch of research and we actually wrote rap songs about the time between November of 1963 until the confrontation on the uh, steps with Mayor Ben West in 1964. And it's... We cast it. We we have rappers. They came in and they actually recorded the songs. And the original plan was to do it as a play one time in front of an audience. And, and that was it. But COVID mm-hmm. stopped all of that where we couldn't rehearse. We couldn't get a venue. So I, I came to Cam and I, to the group and I was like, well, what if we recorded it at NECAT like a play? That way... Everyone would have a visual. We would have a way for you to see your blocking. And it was meant to be like a rehearsal, so keep everyone fresh. So when we came back from COVID, we could do it. But when we got done, it was so amazing. I used the green screen, something I've never done before. I was able to do, we did this beautiful lighting for the jailhouse scene where Eric, one of the um, 
assistance there at NECAT helped me do. And when we finished it, we were like, this is really good, you know. Mm. And for me to be able, that's where NECAT is, like, where my heart is because I had a space that I could book a studio for free, have people come in. We had six cameras going at one point, you know, get all of this recorded and then edit and create a production was like, we wouldn't have been able to do that if I wasn't a producer at NECAT. Mm. Well, Cam, how does that feel to, I mean, here's NECAT kind of filling a need for someone, yet you're able to pull off a top-notch production. Yeah, it felt so great. We we watched this it was a couple of weeks back when yeah. Bam premiered this, and I came out to the studio and watched it and, like, was blown away by just, like, the creativeness of it and, like, again, just, like, this unique voice that kind of came in and said, okay, we're going to approach this from, you know, this isn't what we thought it was going to be, but we need space to do it. They landed in this spot and, like, really just nailed it. And, like, it, it is so powerful. And, like, and I think to myself, like, okay, I'm one person who's going to get to see this. But knowing that, like, via, you know, cable, it's like there's 93,000 people subscribed to this that are going to be watching this. And it'll run whenever, you know, it's like whenever we start airing yeah. it, it'll run mm-hmm. for years to come. And it's like, and there's, there's so many eyeballs that are going to get a chance to watch this that, Otherwise, like where where would this go? Because it wouldn't land anywhere else. Um, because it just it it wouldn't make sense on TV in a lot of spaces, but it makes absolute sense on TV. Um, and you can't. And I learned so much. Like uh, during that process, my show is better. Cultureville's better because of the play. Because I'd never used a green screen before, and I was able to film on it, edit it. You know, figure out all the different nuances. Sam, you know, the team there is great. If you need help, you know, with anything, they're there to help. So I feel like I came out of it a better producer mm-hmm. completely. Mm-hmm. And I, now I want to do another play. Okay. <laughs> like I want to make a show about plays. <laughs> nice. <laughs> We're looking forward to watching camp. How many people are on the team at NECAT outside of volunteers? So there are two other studio technicians that work there, Sam and Eric, uh, that, that are there on the daily kind of helping mm-hmm. out uh, with myself. You know, I manage the studio, help get everyone booked. But then we have a group of volunteers that people like Bam who've gone through the classes who just come in and work on the television shows. And some shows may have one person. Some people may have, you know, 15 to 20 people. So this is really community driven absolutely, for the community to voice themselves. And everybody supports everybody. Like, you know, if if I just worked on a show for a new producer, this is like her first, you know, few episodes. And when she asked me to come, I was like, yeah, I would love to do because she's doing things that I never thought about doing. Mm. as her show concept and I wanted to see how that worked out but we worked so well together she needed a technical director like that was her she had camera operators but me just filling that void now you know she's on her sixth episode yeah and I I think that's where like NECAT is very interesting because you do see people that otherwise they may not have met they may not see eye to eye politically Mm -hmm. or culturally or you know anything else but we put them in the space where they work together. They get to know each other and they become friends, you know, and creative partners in ways that like, I don't think that is happening um, anywhere else in the same way that it does at NECAT, at least not here in Nashville. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville and I'm your host, Khalil Colonna. We're talking this hour about NECAT, the public access network for our city with Kina, Bam, Ely, and Cameron McCaslin. You can tweet us your comments at This Is Nashville. Now, Cam, you have experience in film and television for years. Why work NECAT? You know, I feel like I had a really unique opportunity years ago. I had finished a documentary um, that had premiered here locally in town at the Belcourt Theater. And then right after that, they were like, we had planned for a, a new movie, a new show. And they were like, oh, budget got cut. You know, you're not going to be in the space anymore. And so kind of on a whim, like I 
met with someone over at NECAT. They're like, can you come into the office, kind of work a couple hours a week? And I just kind of fell in love with it. I've been involved with public access to various degrees over, you know, the last 20 years in town. But it's funny because, like, from that point, it was like I was given an opportunity to kind of just take the helm for a little bit. Um, you know, we had a, a changeover whenever uh, NECAT became part of National Public Library. And it's like, and again, like everything that the library was doing just made total sense to me in the sense of like, hey, if this is, again, about free speech. It's about, you know, unique voices. It's about like, you know, really building the community. And so we've had this like just great space. And so like now I look at it as like we're it's not like trying to make one film anymore or trying to make like one project. It's like, how do we lift all these voices, you know, in unison? How are we working together? And so like you have these three channels that are running 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can't make enough content to keep it all new all the time. Mm-hmm. But I have the opportunity now to work with so many great artists like BAM. You know, it's like on on different things in, in small ways and in big ways, you know, depending on what the project is. And that's something that I'm, I never had the opportunity to do beforehand. And so like, I love it. I believe in it. You know, it's like, I want to see it grow and expand and, you know, just meet all the people from this town that come in and go like, oh, I've got an idea and be like, okay, walk me through it. And like, and just give them space to create in a way that they wouldn't be able to because they don't have the equipment or they don't have the time or they don't have the means or even the know-how. They're going to get that education, that basic education and like, and you know, it's like some of the coolest things is like you have people that are empty nesters, you know, they said just like they just want to make. That's a cool mm-hmm. thing. Then you have people that like they want to get a, you know, they want to start a career. It's like, but they don't have any credits yet. So like it gives them the opportunity to come work on a bunch of different types of shows to see what they like to do and then like build the resume up so they can go out and get that first job. So it's like there's there's that portion of it. And it's a pathway to larger platforms. For absolutely. absolutely. And confidence. A lot of confidence you get from just I like you you may have a dream to do something and you may want oh I want to produce television or be a TV producer but when you come in and see the work and you actually do the work you start to become that mm. you know and you think of yourself in that way so you could go and feel comfortable getting a job cuz you can speak the lingo now you know you know what these angles are you know what these equipment items are we get so much new stuff and they train us every time we get new things and you're like oh well okay now this dream is my profession mm-hmm. in a way, even yeah. though it's your time and you're volunteering. But I, when I get called in to work on a show, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm directing today. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're doing it. And you see yeah. your name at the end of the credits when you watch it, you know, when, yeah. when you see other people's shows and you see, oh, wow, oh, oh that was a great switch. Oh, I can work on that. Well, yeah. well, real quick, what advice would you have to anybody who's interested and they want to start their own show? Take That's- the class, honestly. That is the best thing you can do and if you're serious and and it's no pressure so like I said I I didn't make my first episode the day after I graduated from producer class I took the time to figure it out Mm -hmm. so it's like if you really have something you want to share and you feel like it's important what you're saying is important you know take the first class and see if it's for you Mm -hmm. like Cam said there's no obligation to you if you do it and then if you finish it may take you a year to come up with a script or to write your concept. And, you know, I felt like there was no pressure to do that, you know. And in my show, just I keep coming up with new ideas. I'm like, oh, yeah, now I'm going to do this. Oh, why? Oh, I can use this now and change my setup, you know. So mm-hmm. you, you watch yourself get better. Yeah. And you're free to do your thing. Cam, mm-hmm. I want to real quick about regulations are people allowed to do anything on there i mean I, 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 i've seen some public access shows that get a little late night 
I, I wouldn't say do anything. That's not a good way to put it, but it's, it is cable television. Uh, and again, it's like, and it is a place for free speech. So like the way that we looked at it is like, if you're going to be something that's a little bit more blue, we may program you later at night. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there is a, a basic rule of guidelines and it basically boils down to like, you know, don't defame anybody. Don't yell, you know, fire in a, in a crowded room kind of thing. As long as you're not doing anything that's uh, you're promoting that is illegal, you're allowed to say it. Um, you know, we put disclaimers up that, you know, not every show that airs is, you know, shares the views of NECAD or National Public Library, things like that. But we still give space for people to, you know, to mm-hmm. make those kind of programs. Um, and again, it's like it's not about necessarily like what I believe is true or correct. It's just more about like that specific unique voice that can go in and say, this is what I believe. This is mm-hmm. – it, it, it's right there in the name. It's access to the public to share your thoughts and ideas. It doesn't mean that it's always the correct one, but it's like if someone doesn't agree with it, they can also make a show as a counterpoint. And I think that that's – a very democratic way to make television. Mm-hmm. You said you're looking for ideas. I have an idea about a live radio show at a public at a public uh, network because um, things get crazy sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're ever interested in you know doing it, absolutely. Like that. You should come I, take the class. Uh, maybe I will. <laughs> maybe I will. I want to thank my guests from NECAT. Cameron McCasland is the studio director, and Kina Bam Ely is the producer and host of the show Cultureville. Again, thanks to you both for being here. Thank, thank you. you we have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll meet some of the people behind the shows that air on NECAT. Do you have a TV show idea? Tell us about it or tell Cam by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Colona, and this is Nashville. The NECAT Network is home to a plethora of fun television programs produced by and starring Nashvillians, just like you and me. Where else can you make your own TV show for the next for next to no cost? All you need is an idea and yeah, some hard work. And you too can see yourself on the flat screen. Now, before the break, we heard about how NECAT operates and what it takes to create your own show. Now, let's meet three producers who've been putting in the work. Taffany Williams is the producer and host of the show, Would You Marry You? She's also a board member of Women in Film and Television. Dan Meredith is the host and producer of Heartland Liberty. And Larry Underwood, a.k.a. Dr. Gang Green, is the host of the local classic of the same name. Tiffany, Taffany, Dan Thank you all so much, Dr. Gangrene. Thank you all so much for being here. Welcome to This is Nashville. So just the titles of the shows are really, really fascinating. I really want to learn more about them. Taffany, what is Would You Marry You all about? So Would You Marry You is about what we are bringing to the table in relationships because ultimately we are the common denominator. So it is really a self-reflective show. So we talk about everything from dealing with addiction or having soul ties, uh, having daddy issues, mommy issues, all those things that can affect how we show up in a marriage or in a relationship period. So whether the relationship is romantic, it's family, it's business, it's all the same thing because ultimately we are responsible for what we bring. So you're basically putting a mirror 
on yourself and the guests to kind of assess yourself. Because a lot of times when we see shows about relationships, it's usually about the other person, what the other person did or what the other person didn't. But you're asking everybody to kind of be self-reflective as they think about relationships. 100%. Right? And it was truly birth from my pain. I was in between marriages. I've not, it wasn't in my first, wasn't in my second, uh, but was contemplating a third. And as I got ready to get into that space, the question came up to me from God, hey, would you even marry you? You're asking me for all of these amazing things in a spouse, but what are you bringing to the table? And do you think I would take this much time creating this person you're asking me for, for me to bring them to you and your brokenness mm. shows up in the midst of it and causes problems in this situation? So I had to take a step back and start looking at there again, what I was bringing to the table. Because ultimately I had married the same man twice. He had a different name, was from a different state, but it was the same dude. So it was like, hey, what is it about me that's mm -hmm. attracting this? Or what is it about me that is attracted to this? Mm -hmm. So where is that coming from? Self-accountability in relationships. 100%. Oh, that's a good, that's something that we don't hear much of in 2023. Now, now, Dan, you host Heartland Liberty, yes, which sir. is a political show, right? Yes. Tell me a little bit more about it. We are uh, very conservative. Uh, we are the cons more conservative than most conservatives. Uh, we, uh, we constitutional uh, Christian. We're pro pro gun, pro family, pro Trump. Uh, basically, try to go by the Constitution. We feel like the nation is in trouble. We're going in the right direction, and if we don't turn things around, we're going to end up in uh, the same place that China, Venezuela, Cuba, hmm. a lot of other countries are. We feel like there are forces that are trying to move us in that direction, and most people are just oblivious to it. And if not oblivious, they look at those of us that are sort of sounding the alarm and uh, think that we're we're the ones that are crazy. Tell me about the setup of the show. Is it just you hosting it? No, uh, we started out with me hosting, and uh, I've got a uh, a friend that is very technical. He's retired IT person. Uh, he had several years of experience doing a podcast or a TV show in New York. He was one of those damn Yankees that moved down here. Mm. Uh, got down here because he didn't like it up north because they were more liberal. Uh, but he had years of experience. And then uh, we had another person uh, uh, join the team that was very technical oriented, so which allowed Scott, my co-director, to come out in front of the camera. And so now we've got basically a, a team, a partner. Yeah. So we have guests that come in. We interview them. Both of us do. Sometimes I'll interview them alone. But most of the time, it's Scott and I interviewing someone, or sometimes we have just he and I going back and forth like a week in review. Okay. Now, now, Larry, before we got, we got to your show, I want to read you this quote, this, this tweet that we just got okay. in from, from Daniel Borsos, quote, unquote, public access TV, remember the bat poet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> For folks who don't know. Who was the bad poet? The bad poet was Joey Balker, who was uh, a producer before and during the f early parts of my. Because I've been I've been doing this since 1999, mm -hmm. and uh, I know knew Joey. He he had a wild show, wore a, a, a Batman mask, and just was kind of a I guess it's a crazy variety show is the best way to describe it. It was. Bit of a train wreck, but always entertaining. <laughs> train wrecks kind of are sometimes, yeah, particularly yeah. on public access. Now, your show, Dr. Gangrene, it sounds kind of spooky. What 
What's that all about? What's yeah. the show about? Yeah, it's late night horror host show. So I'm introducing horror and science fiction movies, kind of a la um, Elvira, I guess, you know, that type mm -hmm. thing. I'm a uh, mad scientist character who plays, who who uh, introduces these movies and uh, just having a good time with it. A little comedy in between like commercial breaks uh, oh, absolutely. and things we and come commentary. Back, yeah, we break the movies up and come back um, with our host segments. And, and uh, usually there's a skit for the night that has, you know, in line with whatever the movie's about. Mm -hmm. A little campy. I love that. Yeah. Well, so tell me about Dr. Gang Green. How, where'd you get the idea to create this character? So there's a long, rich history of uh, horror hosts in Nashville going all the way back to the 1950s. Mm. Um, and the first guy was named Dr. Lucifer, who was a host here in Nashville uh, with Shock Theater back then. My guy was Sir Cecil Creep in the 1970s, Russ McCown, who uh, introduced movies on WSM-TV, became WSMV Channel 4. And I kind of wanted to bring that same tradition back. Nobody was doing anything locally along those lines. And I thought, well, if nobody else is going to do it, I will start and do the show myself. And so I had toyed with the idea of public access in the 80s doing something. I was in college at the time, just didn't have really um, the time or really the inspiration. I mean, I had the, the interest, but I just couldn't channel it at that point. Mm -hmm. But coming back to it in the late 90s, um, that was the kind kind of show that spoke to me. That's exactly what I wanted to do. Spoke to a lot of different folks too. You have a little bit of a cult following. Yeah, it's it's really caught on. People appreciate what I do, which I love. The uh, Roku channel that Cameron talked about, um, the Nikat Roku, uh, as well as locally on 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 the my mine is on the or my show is on the Arts channel. So um, broadcasting there, you know, um, we've been able to build a fan base mm -hmm. and I get a lot of feedback every week and um, it's fun. I, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your experiences working at NECAT. Now, Dan, you, you had prior television experience, you know, 25 years ago, you were working on a television show. How, how was training for NECAT a little bit different from everything you've previously done? Well, we did the show here uh, 25 years ago. It's just advanced uh, but but NECAT's basically still the same. They still they give they give an opportunity to say what you want to say, and and that's what that's the main thing I, I want to uh, let people know about NECAT. Uh, you mentioned earlier when you were talking uh, to Cameron that you could just go out and do these things on YouTube. Our show's been kicked off of YouTube. We had about 20 shows just deleted from Vimeo. We've been kicked off of Facebook. Because of our political views, we don't fit the mold, and we, because of community standards, no one else wants to hear what we have to say, because all of these bastions of free speech say, we, want, we believe in free speech, but not your speech. But, but uh, NECAT says, that's okay. We're okay. We don't have to believe what you believe. We're okay with you speaking. And that's what America was founded on. The First Amendment doesn't say free speech as long as it fits this criteria. Hmm. Free speech is free speech. And the today's view that says hate speech is not free speech or this speech is not free speech, America is, is, is founded on all speech. Whatever you want to say, 
that's okay. And we'll debate it in the public uh, arena. And, and on, so that's on, what we like. On your show, you can debate that. As Cameron said, you know, as long as you're not really defaming anybody right. and whatnot, you can do that. But how important is that all, to you all to be able to get up there and to express yourself? Because to me, it doesn't seem like anyone has an agenda. It feels like all of you are expressing part of your human experience, you know, Taffany. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, I think that as it's as a Christian and talking about relationships, whatever that relationship looks like, I may there again, I may not agree right. with what you say a relationship is, but I believe that we do have the opportunity to speak that and not have to worry about being censored and things like that. So it's very important to me um, as a Christian, single, divorced woman to be able to express how I feel about addiction to porn or how I feel about addiction to whatever and how all of those things come into the relationships that we have. So that is uh, very important to me, is to be able to speak what it is that I believe and to also get the view from the guests that I bring to the show even if it's something that I don't necessarily believe or stand in alignment with as well. But being in that mode of conversation with people, you can learn more about them. 100%. And understand their perspectives. 100%. And I think relationships are built on where we have things that we have that are not in common. So how can we even learn how to have a decent relationship with anyone if we're not looking at views that may be a little different than ours? Mm -hmm. Just an opportunity to shift our mindset, to think of it from a tad bit different perspective so that we can then learn more about the people that we relate to, because that's what our world is. Now, now, Larry, you are airing old television, old movies on there. People... Lately, as we're talking about free speech, lately people have been looking at older content and determining, you know, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Certain older pieces of art have not necessarily aged well. NECAT offers you the freedom to kind of air those, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that's another thing uh, with YouTube that they're really bad about is is uh, cracking down on, on content that creators put up there. Uh, not just pol for political reasons, but for copyright reasons and other things like that. That uh, it's it's a real, uh, it's a real wild west of people claiming every. I don't even hardly put any kind of movies or anything. Uh, I do short form stuff on YouTube, but uh, anything like that up because as soon as I do, people file false claims. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is like within minutes of a false claim. I, oh yeah, I own that movie. No, you don't. But hmm. you know, YouTube backs yeah. them up. So. Yeah. Getting back to to NECAT, the thing I really appreciate about NECAT uh, for me personally is the creative expression that it allows me. It's 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 for me the show is an uh, an artistic endeavor, and it gives me that uh, outlet to to uh, put that creative uh, uh, energy forward for people to enjoy. If you're just right. tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Colonna. We're talking this hour about NECAT Public Access Television Network with Taffany, Dan Meredith, and Larry Underwood. Please tweet us your comments at This Is Nashville. I'm interested in the process that you all do. We have three very different shows, right? But the process to making television, as we just heard, is pretty, pretty difficult. What's setup like? For you, Dan. Uh, we got, I've got a team, a pretty dedicated team, about six, seven people. Uh, you, you really can't do this by yourself. You've got to have some people to help you. So I've got a dedicated team. Uh, we started recording and putting it up on the internet. Uh, my team just hates it when I start thinking. 
Uh, I drive a lot during the day, and I come up with an idea, and I go in and tell them, and they say, no, Dan, we can't do that. And I say, no, Heartland Liberty doesn't say no. Uh, <laughs> so I said, well, we're going to start zooming people in uh, from, from far away. Well, okay, we can do that. So we started zooming people from far off. Then I said, wait a minute, how about if we start a live show? Well, we can't do that. No, we can do that. We have to figure out how. So now we go in every Wednesday night at eight o'clock and we start live casting over several different, uh, platforms. The main one is uh, on rumble. So at eight o'clock, if you go to Rumble and type in Heartland Liberty Productions, you can see our live uh, live production. So we produce a show live from NECAT. Not a lot of people do that, but we're always pushing the envelope and saying, what are we going to do next? Last week, I talked to my team and said, what if we record five shows on Wednesday night and then put them out on Rumble every night and they're like dan stop stop this <laughs> and i said we don't have to go to the studio every night we'll just record five half hour shows and they shut me down so i'm working on that i bet your team hopes it's not a far commute from this studio back to wherever you're headed to uh, yeah <laughs> you got yeah. more ideas you're going to but, text but them. you can do so many things over there and they're always when i bring something to the text over there to uh eric and samantha and cameron they say they never say no we can't do that they say hmm that's sort of cool let's let's think about it yeah. i'll figure it out yeah well taffany do you do produce your show solo i do i well not solo because okay. Eric and Cameron and Sam are always there to help. Um, there have been times where I've have had a team of four to five people that helped me through that process. But there's also been times where I've showed up and people will say they're going to show up and they're not there. Mm -hmm. And so the staff has always been ready and willing and able to jump in and help me in those places that I don't have the help that I need. So uh, mine is a very simple setup. It takes me probably 30 to 45 minutes to get the the set you know, the way that it needs to be lighting, the way that it needs to be and the cameras set up. And so once those things are done, it's really the tech director and making sure that our audio is set up well and we can just run and roll from there. So I usually will shoot two to three shows every time I go in and I try to shoot once a month. Do you do all the editing yourself? Unfortunately, for now, <laughs> I've had to learn a completely new skill set uh -huh. that I do not want to continue. Okay, looking for someone else Ditto. now. One hundred percent. Now, now, Larry, you mentioned it before about licensing and the troubles you have with YouTube. But you know, how are you going through the licensing process? to have these shows broadcast on NECAT. Yeah, I do a lot of research and make sure everything's public domain. Mm. Yeah, How tough is that? Uh, there is, it's pretty well documented what is and isn't. Sometimes uh, there'll be some that are in the gray areas. I usually try to steer clear from those. Um, it's just, it, it takes a little, little, you know, digging sometimes. Mm -hmm. Now, your show, you took this idea that was great. It became a cult hit. Then you went to the CW. For a few years, about ten years, right? Yeah, yeah. How was how did working? You know, the CW is a pretty legit network. How did working with NECAT kind of help you to work with another network? Yeah, I mean, I, I built the show, the idea of the character, and everything there. You know, cut my teeth, figured it all out. Um, you know, when I started the show, I had no idea. I just wanted to make the show. I had no idea what I was doing, and I figured it all out. Those early shows are terrible. I go back and look at them sometimes, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, they are so bad. But that's the charm of it. Mm -hmm. You know, they have a certain charm. 
My son tells me that the early shows I did are his favorite ones. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I think a lot, I think a lot of people feel that way. It's just, you know, there was a certain energy and, you know, uh, I don't know, a real feel to them that, that, that comes through. It's an authenticity. What I love about public access is that it has this DIY kind of intentionally low budget feel to me that breeds authenticity. Well, I, it, <laughs> intentionally low budget. It is low budget. <laughs> There's nothing intentional about it. It just is. Um, and, and I am a one man show. I have a uh, set at my house. I cleared out one of my bedrooms and I built a set there and that's where I shoot. Okay. I run a teleprompter by myself. I have all the lights, everything. I do all the editing. It's all, it's all me. A teleprompter reading is tough. I did that for a while when I worked in television. Yeah. It's not yeah. as easy as people think it is. If you see one hand down, I'm, I, I'm, I'm breaking the, 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 the screen here. I'm telling, telling my secrets here, but if you see one of my hands down, I'm usually holding a remote control uh -huh. operating the teleprompter. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we, we have just over, uh, just under a minute left, but I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, what do you all want to see for the future of NECAT? Tiffany? I would love to see, uh, and, uh, and we're working on that, having a podcast area at NECAT where we can go in and do podcasts as well as doing television. And so we are working on that process, and I think that's something that is in the works, and we can start scheduling that pretty soon. Dan? New studio. New studio with more studios because we're so crowded right now. If someone wants to get in, sometimes you just can't book time. Mm -hmm. So we need three or four studios. Okay. Larry. I just want to see it continue to be a place for creative expression and, um, you know, that outlet for every, all of us that have these shows to keep putting out great content. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the show I had in New Mexico, we were took people everywhere in the football universe, and my set was a bunch of cardboard boxes and tinfoil. <laughs> You know, nice. You, yeah. You got to go. That there, works. Right? Oh, so I can tell you, you want to do a show again, don't you? Yeah. Uh, Come on over. Come on over to me. You guys have twisted my <laughs> we arm. We need volunteers. Come on. Effectively. <laughs> I want to thank you all for being here. Really appreciate this conversation. My guests were Taffany Williams. She's the producer and host of Would You Marry You? Dan Meredith is the host and producer of Heartland Liberty. And we also spoke to the legendary Larry Underwood, a.k.a. Dr. Gangrene. Thanks to you all again. Really appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Elizabeth Burton and yours truly. Our senior producer is Steve Harouche. Michaela Elias is our technical director. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special, special thanks to Big Fella and Jim Adams and Walt Lou. Walt Lou, thanks to you as well. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcast. The conversation doesn't end here. You can tweet us at This Is Nashville, find us on Instagram, and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekelona. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other.